About the delay, I wanted to make sure I had everything pulled up before we started, so we're good yeah, about Um, yeah, so hey, everybody, welcome to Chaos is Everywhere. I'm your host, Jonathan Gilchrist. That guy over there, um, is Mr. Our Device. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, 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 what? And I had something funny I was gonna say, and I forgot it. I have to write this stuff down. I had a funny way I was gonna introduce you this week, and I forgot it. Oh, well, what are you gonna do? Um, so yeah, today we are doing, because we forgot to do it last week with Space Jam, today we are doing all AEW all the time. Woo! I'm not sure what I'm going to name the episode, because I can't just call it AEW Corner, but I'll figure out something, but that's basically what we're doing. Uh, so yeah, we're going to be covering the last two weeks, so starting with April, I believe it's April 26th, and going through Blood and Guts on May 5th. So, um, yeah, I watched uh, all of Dark and Elevation for both weeks. I have actually pulled up a uh, card for every every show for the last two weeks. Before I get into the stuff, I want to know, have you been watching Dark at all or not so much? I have not. Okay. I'm just, I'm going to put it out there. It's a lot of fun uh, for everybody to watch. It is a lot of squash matches, but just I got to see some cool stuff the last couple weeks, and I actually got to see a match on Dark that I don't think I would have got to see on Dynamite, and I'm actually really happy about it. We're going to talk about it in a second. But we'll start with uh, AEW Dark from April 27th, um, 2021. The biggest one from here, well, a couple things is, uh, that week was a big week if you wanted to see a bunch of stuff from the Acclaim, because they were on both Dark and Elevation. And, man, are they so good. Uh, they like I'm going to talk about them again later on a little bit, but uh, they... They just are dominating tag team divisions. Pretty soon we're going to see them have to move up to Dynamite just because they keep getting wins. Uh, they are doing some weird stuff after the match, which I don't know if they've had a match on Dynamite where you would have seen this, but uh, Matt Cat- Max Gaster, when he's done with the match, when he's like when he's won, he started to like take his opponent's hands and started to make out with them in a very weird way. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I don't know how else to put it. He literally takes the guy's hand and starts kissing his hand over and over again after he beats him. I don't know why he's doing that, but yeah, that's what's happening on Dirk when it comes to them. Uh, also, they uh, had a, on this episode of Dark, they had a, um, a vignette with uh, legit Layla Hirsch, and she scares me a little bit. Like, <laughs> she's like, I am 4'11", and she basically made me realize, oh, she would just kill me. Like, I would just die if she yeah. ever left me. That was what would happen. So, that's for that episode of Elevation, that's what happened on that episode. Uh, more stuff happened, obviously, but that's the stuff that really stands out as I look at the match card. So, we'll just move on to Dark for that week before we get into Dynamite, which is the stuff you've actually seen, and we'll break down match by match. One second here. Um... Oh. Really? Sorry, my um my browser I'm using is going up on the way. Close that so you 
All right, so moving on to the dark card, which was April 27th. Uh, the next day, obviously. Let me see here. I'm just trying to remember what matches. Like I said, again, another another uh, acclaim, another weird making out the guy's hand. Um, other than that, the main thing that I've been doing on uh, dark that I kind of uh, I just it was a, kind of annoying to me was mm-hmm. uh, they have Jake Roberts on commentary when um, Lance Archer's out there, and I just I love Jake Roberts. It's just he doesn't really add much to the commentary for me. I just yeah. take it or leave it. That's just one thing that annoyed me. But you know, it's what it is. Um, but yeah, nothing else really sticks out as I look at the match card about something I want to bring out here. So I think we'll just move on to the actual dynamite episode. I'm sure there was more to that episode if we got to it last week, but that's all I can remember looking at the match card. So, so let's get to dynamite results for uh, April 28th. So, in case you weren't, in case you can't remember, uh, this starts off with, let's see here. Um, I'm just, the thing I have up has a bunch of different stuff that's not involved in this. That's, okay, so it starts off with the Young Bucks and this Zagalba first. So, um, what did you think, what do you remember of that match between the Young Bucks and the Zagalba? Um, I'm just what I remember, Jesus, not much. Um, just trying to think here. Let's see here. I mean, Young Bucks flamboyant as always. Yeah. Um, with their new look. Um, I mean, to see it was this. a fine match. I'm not. What did you think of the Johnny Cage low blow? Because that got a lot of like uh, uh, feedback from the internet. Because that's how they won the match. Uh, I don't remember which one he hit it on, but I think it was Matt did like a split and did a low blow, and that's how they beat the Seidel brothers. Yeah, I mean, they're heels, so it's fine. <laughs> All right. Um, I like, think I, we... like, I don't know. I, wh- I don't, I haven't seen what was the problem that everyone's so, complaining about. Well, the problem that I heard, I don't know if it's everybody, but the problem that I heard was just that it was a lingering low blow. So this this comes from Mike Kyoto, the referee, and he basically says that that's just not how heel should hit a low blow. That they just they made it way too long. Like they didn't just hit it and get the pin. I think he just had a problem with like lingering on the low blow a little bit too much. I don't like I said. I don't even know if I would have noticed it if it hadn't been coming out. So I don't think it's that big of a deal. I just wanted to experience you doing anything. Wow. Well, it was certainly something I didn't notice. That's for sure. Yeah. So I got. I mean, I guess that's probably not a issue that we'd have to worry about too much. Um, let's see. So the next match after that was Penta versus Orange Cassidy. So, Good match. Solid yeah. match. Love Penta. Love freshly squeezed. Yeah, this kind of um, comes into what we, what's going to happen next week on Dynamite, but. What do you think as far as like Orange Cassidy winning? Do you think he's in the right place for a title shot at this point? I mean, he's extremely popular. He's won most of his matches for a while now. And he's had some like huge wins. 
So, I mean, I, it makes sense for him to, like, get a shot as long as he beats Pac, which, I mean, based on how long of a standoff him and Omega had, I'm assuming he's going to beat Pac. But, yeah. um, but, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's fine. He's obviously not going to win. So, I mean, it's fine for him to get a shot. So, you don't think that, like, I, well, you're right. It doesn't feel like they've built it up enough. Like, they're definitely behind Omega too much. But I also yeah. feel like they built up Cassidy enough they could do a shock win. I don't know if they were going to, no. but they could do a shock win. No. no. I no. listen. No. Uh, no. <laughs> Just no. <laughs> I will yeah, I will say it is completely out of um out of character for what AEW has built up. I'm just saying it's always a possibility that you're allowed to do it if you're a booker, basically. Um, sorry, my... Uh, loud. What'd you say? What, like, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Jeez, why are you so stupid? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I'm, I'm talking to you, but I'm also trying to pull back up the thing that I had. Because, um, well, my thing's stupid. Um, one of the things, okay, so another thing I can remember without having to look it up was the parlay between the pinnacle and the um, inner circle. What did you Dude. think of that? Ooh, there was some words. Like, man, those words punched as hard as some of the hits in the actual match. Jesus. Yeah. Like, no, that was... Um, yeah, go ahead. I'm, I'm still looking it up. <laughs> Just like, oh my god, dude! The fact that like, so let me let me. Can I? I'm just gonna start by saying, in general, huh? like the the parlay and the match itself. Sammy G was just on spot. Yes, I could do no wrong. I want to give them credit because it's a very old trope at this point with the war games type match that the, the bad guys are going to win the coin toss. It's usually done in the back, so you don't even notice it. Right. Um, but the fact that they they kind of subverted that just by having Sammy come out and go, "Fine, I will take the disadvantage and I'll come in first, just so the yeah. war games coin toss. I think that not really only that, but like Sean Spears basically telling them all that Jericho's leading them into, like, deep water and, like, all that. And Sammy G coming back with, like, I don't believe you, because ever since you came to this company, you've been a failure. Yeah. Which isn't exactly true, but, like, man, that hit hard. Because he also said, like, you were a failure back in, like, Connecticut or something like that, too. Yeah. Well, the one that got me, because it always used to be when they go more personal, is when Dax Harwood, Harwood brought in the children... Uh, oh yeah, dude! Oh, that was so good. <laughs> oh. Oh, oh man, you could just see, like, you just see a Santana, like, careful, like, <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe don't talk about my kids. Oh man. Um, I also I, found I, it interesting because I I forgot because um, I guess I skipped over this when I was looking at it the first time, but. Uh, this was also the night where uh, Brian Cage defeated Heyman uh, in the first match, and that knocked Heyman out of the number one contender spot. Yeah, which is what led which us. I think smart. To... Yeah, I, it's definitely where they're going to go. Honestly, if I just from a storyline point of view, six months from now, who's going to 
take it from Kenny, there's a good chance it might be Heyman. It's just like it's the arc of the like him getting that shot against Jericho to start with, and just finally getting that whole redemption arc going exactly for several more months probably. Yeah, no, they definitely did the right thing, like getting Hangman out of it for now, because yeah. like yeah, you know I don't like we don't it, it's not like it'd be it's not like it wouldn't be a, a great match, but I don't want to see I don't want to see Kenny and Hangman yet. You know what I mean? Right. Well, like I, I, want them, I want them to like stay away from each other for like a while, for like a good while still before they come back at each other. Right. Yeah. No, that that makes sense. But honestly, yeah. Now that I read that, I'm like, oh yeah, that for my money, that's actually where Kenny Omega's title reigns probably gonna end. Is hey, yeah. man, That's what I think too. But I don't think it's happening for a while still. Um. So the next match on this list is Chris Statlander versus Penelope Ford. I mean, it wasn't a bad match, but I got I no, really it was solid. About it. Yeah, it's, there's actually some women wrestling I want to talk about later, but this match just it doesn't stick out to me. It was okay. It wasn't bad. It was it was what it was. So, yeah. um, after that, we have the Factory versus the Nightmare Family. I can't remember who was actually in that match. I so it was the Nightmare Family was uh, Dustin Rhodes, Billy Gunn, and uh, Lee Johnson. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. They took on basically the three guys that actually wrestle: Cutie Marshall, Aaron Solo, and Nick Camarado. Because right. Anthony Agro doesn't really do the whole wrestling thing yet. Nope. All he does is punch people in the gut and they die. I mean, which is a fine character. You gotta do something eventually, but for right now that works. Yeah, no, it's fine for now. Um, although I will say, and it kind of it kind of rolls into next week. So, or yeah, I'll I'll actually I'll save it for the I'll save it for the uh, blood and guts episode. Actually, never mind. Okay. Yeah. So the next thing that pops up on this list is uh, Moxley and Kingston um, are going to fight. Well, obviously they already done this, but they were going to fight Omega and Nakazawa next week. Um, I I like that Nakazawa is getting some play because he, he's another big part of Dark. His his character on Dark is really funny, and the fact yeah. that they're bringing that to the Dynamite's fun. But that's another good reason to check out Dynamite. If you're not getting the full Nakazawa character right now if you're not watching Dark because his whole headset gimmick uh, when he comes out for a match is just hilarious. It's awesome. So it's another good thing to. One second. It's another good thing to, um, you know, check out on dark, on um, on, on well, dark revelation on Mondays or Wednesdays. Yeah, I get you. So yeah, that's um, we'll, we'll obviously talk about that more when we actually get to the actual match. Um, I think the only other match on this card was uh, Darby Allen versus Ten, which I really did appreciate because. Uh, like just just to how they built it on social media, the fact that like Darby Allen beat John Silver, but only after he separated shoulders and being the face champion, Darby like, well, that's not really a win against the Dark Order, so it gives him his shot for the title. So, um, yeah, what what do you remember for the as far as the match goes? Like, what did you think of that match? Um, I mean, it was a solid match. It was like classic 
like quick dude versus strong dude, even though Ten's quick. So I mean, yeah. Um, Ten had a really nice spine buster on Darby at one point, which in general, Ten has like a, a pretty solid spine buster. I gotta right. say. Um, I mean, there was a lot of good counters, like from getting out of by Darby by getting like getting out of some of the power moves. Um, overall, is yeah, overall it was a good match. Um, I am a fan of Ten. I think he like I don't know if he has I don't like I don't know if the guy has a lot of wrestling experience because I don't know a whole lot about him. So I don't know how much actual experience he has yet, or how, like how old he is or whatever. But right. like. I feel like he has the potential, as do a lot of these guys. <laughs> I feel like he has the potential to be like really freaking awesome, like am- like amazingly good in the next few years. Yeah, no, I definitely think that the um, the dark border, like just in general, they're going very, um, they're going very good overall as far as like a group, and I think as individuals, they're starting to like come out on their own. Uh, so, I think, yeah, the next few years we're definitely going to see some stuff happen to all those guys. So, yeah. So, yeah, that takes us down. Anything else you want to say about that? So, Dynamo, before we get into the week that we actually just had, which will forever be known as the Blood and Guts Week. Yeah. Um, just that it was, a, I, I think it was a solid week. And I think it was a good, like, build up week to Blood and Guts. Okay. Yeah, yeah you're right. Uh, so, let's see here. I'm, Onto elevation. This would be for May third, uh, and there's actually a, a bunch of stuff in here. I want to start with facts, just because I uh, I want to point out whenever the claim does something awesome. Besides the hand kissing thing, which happened again, um, this time instead of rapping the entire time, Max Caster literally comes out and he's in picture of this episode. He comes out and instead of like rapping the whole time, he starts a rap and then he ends it by saying, Hey guys, start cheering for Anthony Bowman because he's back. And like he just kept saying it to his opponents, like, No guys, seriously, start cheering. He's right here. No guys, seriously. Like he just kept going. It's hilarious. Oh, such good comedic timing for me. Mean, such really fun fucking awesome. Um. The other big thing from this episode that I wanted to point out was that I think this was the premiere, if not it's very close to it, of the Hughes uh, brothers, who, if you don't know who that is, that is the uh, twin sons of Devon Dudley. Yep. And, um, yeah, they, they're pretty legit. Like, they look pretty polished, especially for being the squash guys on Dark right now. Um, I can't wait to see what they do, which Makes sense, obviously. If they're doing tag team wrestling, who their dad is, but yeah, they look like it's. You know, I can't wait to see what happens. I really think AEW is just so ridiculous with their tag team division that they have these guys just there as like the warm up talent. Yeah, it is really like I am really curious to see what they end up doing in the future because like they have a combination of being like one of those brother tag teams that just. Yeah for the obvious reasons, just tend to always, most of the time, just work so well. Right. And, like, that combined with the fact that their father was one of the greatest tag team wrestlers of all time. Right. Like, like the two of those things combined should make for an amazing tag team, you know? Yeah. No, no doubt. Like, uh, like they're, they're still definitely on the squash level, which, uh, if you if you remember back in the 90s watching WDF programming on Saturday morning, 
that for the most part is what Dark is about. It's going to be a squash match. Doesn't mean it's not fun, but that if you're right. watching, that's where you're basically going to get most of the time. But yeah, they're still at that level, but I can still just see like, oh no, they, they definitely have it. It's just a matter of like, how, when are they going to get their first win? Or how are we going to build them? Are they going to get like actual contracts? So I'm pretty sure that they're just on the, you know, independent circuit level right. bring this guy in because they have him. Oh, I wanted to point this out because I forgot about this until I read it. So Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks were in a tag match. And it actually made Powerhouse Hobbs look like a beast, but also showed how funny Ricky Starks can be. So they start the match, and I kid you not, it took like 15 seconds before Powerhouse was hitting his finishes on the guy he started the match with. And Ricky's response to this is just to lay down on the ramp and just watch him. Like, <laughs> you know, like, oh, yeah, go ahead. Take it through you. So, I man, I want to see more of that when he starts come out on Dynamite because I feel like people are missing out by not seeing what he's doing on Dark. That's so, cool. Yeah, so I think that for that episode, I'll, I'll call it a good. Um, let me just move on to the last episode of Dark, which was May 4th. This actually had a match of one second there. Oh, one second. My thing's freezing up again. How dare you? Yeah, well, I'm using my Xbox browser, so I've got it in front of me. But it uh, to... I get you. There we go. All right. So, pretty sure it's actually because they definitely saw the match. Uh, I, don't, I don't see it on here, but I'll talk about it anyway. So, on this match, uh, Leo Mizunami actually fought Abaddon. And it was like a legit like match that I wanted to see and I wanted to talk about because uh, Abaddon scares me. Um, actually, it might have been Elevation. In fact, I, I think it might be Elevation because um, Paul White was doing the commentary. And whenever Abaddon is on Elevation, Paul just talks about how he's and how he doesn't like horror movies. <laughs> and how <laughs> he wants to run away every time he sees her. But the match, match itself was actually really good. It was much more of a competitive match than you'd expect um, um, on Elevation. But it made me think about um, what I want to see from Abaddon, because I really do like the character. I kind of think she needs a manager. Now, I wonder what you would think about that. Um, I mean, I can see that. I don't know what, I mean, Jesus, I don't know what kind of manager you'd have for her, but... So I, I have an idea, and you're probably going to think I'm stupid, but I want to I want to run this by you. I'll see what you think. Well, we know I think you're stupid, but go ahead. <laughs> I was thinking of a a manager. Have you ever seen the movie? And I know it's been bad. Have you ever seen the movie The Princess and the Frog? No. So it's it's a Disney movie. It takes place in New Orleans, and the yeah, bad guy in the movie, right. Well, the bad guy in the movie is like a voodoo um, doctor. And that's what I think you could do. Some, not like, not full on Papa Shango, but somebody that kind of has that voodoo character type thing that can, can, quote unquote, control Abaddon because she's. So you want to bring Papa Shango into AEW and have him manage Abaddon? (laughs) I was hoping for someone besides Papa Shango. 
but the idea is so you, so you want so you want the Godfather to come to <laughs> AEW, right? Yes, Godfather comes to AEW. To, yes, that's exactly what I said. I want Abaddon to become a home. He was right, that's, that's, okay, that's what I figured. No, I just I really for some reason maybe it's just because of the undead thing. I thought to myself, Voodoo sounds like it makes sense because my first thought was obviously Paul Bear and the Undertaker, but you can't do that, right? Like, something similar some because the idea is basically Abaddon needs someone who can because her character is basically a zombie who right. can use her into actually trying to win and not just eat her opponents. Which is why I thought, hey Voodoo, somebody that like sort of controls her in a in that weird kind of way, I was thinking. That makes so, sense. Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if that, they'll ever do anything like that. I just that's the thought that went in my head. I was like, that's not a bad idea, I didn't think. So I wanted to bring it up. No, that's uh, not a bad idea at all. So let's see here. Uh, for the actual, because like I said, now that I remember it was Paul White, that had to be the elevation outreach. So let me get into the actual dark episodes. Uh, um, I think I actually mixed them up. I think I did uh, dark first and then I did. Elevation. So all that stuff did happen, but I think I mixed up which show I was looking at. So we'll just move on. I got dark in front of me here, and we'll just move on to Blood and Guts. Uh, So, first thing about Blood and Guts, did you hear about the people demanding refunds? No. So, uh, and I actually remember this from when they started promoting it. This was promoted as a one-match show for the people that were going to be in the audience. And because of the way the rings were set up, they basically had uh, whatever the first five matches were shown on the video screen to the people there, and they got to see Blood and Guts live. Some people were pissed off about that, and they got refunds. And I'm like, first of all, I know for a fact in the advertisement, they they advertise this as a one-match show. So you should read your tickets better. Second of all, if all you got to see live is blood and guts, you're fucking lucky. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. So, yeah, that happened. I It just baffled me, annoyed me a little bit. But um, People are always going to find something, you know? Yeah. Even when it's their own fault, you have to remember, even when it's their own fault, it's never their fault. That's true. Clearly never the people are nowadays. So, um, yeah, so that brings us to the actual card, which, again, was pre-taped before Blood and Guts. Uh, so we start off with John Moxley and Eddie Kingston uh, versus Kenny Omega and Michael Nakazawa. And um, I thought it was a really, like, I really liked everything about the match. I liked the idea of Don Cowles coming out there and hyping Nakazawa and yeah. saying, you're going to do this by yourself. And Nakazawa be like, wait, what now? <laughs> and that just being a trick for Kenny Omega to come in and, you know, blindside the good guys. So all very good heel stuff there. Yeah. Um, I also like the heel, like, when it's, you know, when it just obviously it's all done, and Kenny Omega walking away, leaving Nakazawa to get beat by John Moxley. So, um, oh, we didn't really mention that before, but the kind of the way they got into this match was Mockley and Kingston having um, having uh, Kenny basically at their mercy and threatening to break his leg unless they signed the tag match. Yep. Yeah. I like I like I said I like the match. I'm not exactly sure where this is going as far as the storyline goes. Really? Um, 
Well, because like, you like it out. so what are they planning on doing with John Moxley? Like, I don't think we're going to go backwards with the title. I no, him and, well, him and Kingston are clearly going to move on to challenge for the tag titles. That's true. You're right. I forgot about the Young Bucks coming out. Yeah. I was yeah. gonna say they kind of like a, pretty made made that pretty well established once they uh once they came out after. Yeah, no, that I was, like that was the brain having a, a brain fart there for a second. Yeah. So, yeah. So okay, that makes sense. I, like I'm okay with that. I think that'll be uh, good to see. I think they'll make a good uh, rivalry for the Young Bucks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, after that match. Uh, the next one was Cody Rhodes and QT Marshall. Uh, another like plug for Dark, just because you won't, you don't get these subtleties if you don't watch Dark. Uh, QT Marshall has been going through the ranks of like Cody Rhodes students on Dark, and like having the factory attack them. And when he has a match, when one of the factory has a match, they basically put the steel steps on the ramp. And QT sits there and watches the match and like instructs them what to do. All huh. good psychological stuff that you know you're not going to see if you're just watching Dynamite. So another good plug to watch Dynamite. Um, I heard this is another one of those matches where I heard that there was, I guess, a few missteps, but nothing pops to mind. Like I didn't notice anything. So overall, I thought it was a good match. I thought it did what it was supposed to do. You know. And again, set up that Anthony Gogo is, you know, going to be the one-shot killer for a while. Yeah. So, yeah, this is where I wanted to bring this up. So, I kind of – this is what it feels like to me, and I'm not exactly a huge fan of it, to be completely honest. It feels to me like they use this, like, really, like, good feud between QT and, like, uh, and Cody – that could like be built up and keep going, but I feel like he, they clear like I feel like and I feel like it's kind of obvious after that match, but it feels like it's just a step like they're using QT as a stepping stone, right? For Anthony Agogo. Yeah, no, they're definitely. You, Even though QT is supposed to be like the leader of the group. Yeah, no, they're definitely putting the money behind Anthony in in, in like the future, especially. But you're right. Yeah, it does seem like. QT started coming after Fought in his own group, which is weird. Exactly. Like, yeah, I just, yeah, and I just do not like that one bit. Let's see here. Uh, sorry, my thing went down again. I'm just looking for one to back up. Well, while I'm looking this up, we can talk about the, uh, the promos that were, I think, aired live or were there live with the audience for Blood and Guts. With um, we'll start with Omega uh, coming out, which this uh, this is another one of those things that got controversy on the um, internet, uh, actually from uh, Bully Ray. Uh, when that, like, I understand this old school mentality, but it's again it's nothing that I haven't seen before. So I don't think it really matters as much as you say. But he said that if he were Impact Wrestling, he'd be really pissed off that the Impact World title was being carried by Nakazawa instead of Kenny Omega because it shows the disrespect for their, their world title compared to the AEW world title. So, eh. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I get that, but at the same time, they're on AEW. Right. That's true. And that, like, my first thought when I read that was actually going back to when, uh, what's it, uh, Ultimo Dragon held, like, nine championships at once. And just, he carried out some, his manager carried out some. Just yeah. Just so many titles. And at this point, he's got three titles. It's hard to, like, it's not possible to carry it all around at once, but it's hard to look good in a suit carrying three different titles. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, yeah, I honestly, like, I don't know. Yeah, and I, again, like, he's on AEW. Right. Like, to me, I think of it like, um, like, uh, for example, uh, when a guy has, like, two titles. Right. Um, say, like, a, a, a main, like, a heavyweight title and, like, a, a middleweight title or something like that. And, right. like, he's defending, say he's, like, defending the middleweight title. Even though the heavyweight title is, like, quote-unquote, a higher piece of title, like he's since he has the middle since he has like the middleweight title match, he's like basically like carrying the middleweight title more on the shoulder and stuff. Like it like that's what he's defending and that's what he's like projecting right now. And right. then the, the like heavyweight title is just kind of like around the around the waist or something. You're not even like there at all, you know? Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. And as far as like, I think he's gonna maybe lose one of the titles. It sounds like. Or could lose it soon um, because I guess he's got a match with Andrade in Mexico scheduled at this point for the uh, what's the is it called the Omega title? What's that actually called the, the Mexican title? Uh, it's like the Triple A. Uh, one second. Yeah, he's going to Triple A Mega Champion. Mega Champion, yeah. So I mean, they might keep it on Omega because he's right now doing the belt collector thing, but at the same time, I. From what I've heard, it was the pandemic is what extended his reign. He was supposed to have lost it at some point, so maybe yeah. they put it on Friday. Yeah, so I don't, I won't get to see that match, but uh, that's what's happening. So I mean, you can probably find it eventually. Yeah, eventually. I won't like see it live. Is basically what I meant. Well, yeah, that'd be amazing. But... So, oh, another thing that we forgot because it's not quite. It wasn't a match actually. Um, but the uh, Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page attacking, Dar- or not attacking, Darby Allen attacking Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page, and uh, Darby getting thrown down the stairs. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, the moment I saw where they, like, I don't know how they would have done this, and it's probably why they didn't, but the moment I saw where they were relative to those steps, I thought Darby Allen was going to be thrown over the railing and just go down to the bottom of the flights of stairs. Like, that's how crazy Darby Allen is in my head at this point. But he's not going to get thrown down the stairs. He's going to get thrown over that railing. And oh. No, so, see, I, I'm, I was kind of there with you. I'm not going to yeah. lie. Like, so what I thought was going to happen when I first saw the steps and everything, I thought he was going to get thrown down the stairs, but I thought he was going to go down both flights of stairs, like all the way to the bottom. Yeah. And I was like, how the hell is he going to survive that? What? Yeah, no, that's a yeah, similar thing. I'm like, Which is not what happened. Remember, like, but... The crazy bump he took, I'm like, oh, that was actually reasonable compared to what my brain had already thought was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that brings us to the other uh, promo, which was a really good promo by Miro, uh, where he comes out and basically has a contract for next week for a, 
They um, well, actually it'll happen tonight when this comes out, but he has a uh, contract for a TNT title match. I'm fairly certain he's going to win. I I don't know what else you need to do to set all that up, but Miro's yeah. a, a role on Dark. He's just been destroying people. He destroyed Chip Sabian. And Darby Allen not only has been gotten the cap down week after week, he just got thrown down those stairs. So Yeah, yeah. no, it's like perfectly set up. So um let's see here. Trying to like I'm still having trouble pulling the match card back up. Do you remember what other matches there were? There weren't that many more. Uh but mm-hmm. else that happened I mean there was Dr. Britt Baker beating up on Julia Hart. Yeah. That felt more like a dark match to me, honestly. That was like a yeah, that was a that was kind of just like a, a squash. Uh, yeah. there was a fatal four way tag match. Oh yeah. Who the fuck is Griff Garrison? <laughs> like it was a good match, but like, I don't know. It was Yeah, no, this because of the way they set up, there's there's no way it wasn't gonna be SCU, so there wasn't that much drama yeah. for the match. Exactly. But, which, like I said, is a shame because the like the claim have been doing a lot of really good stuff. Um, I'm really a big fan of the Varsity Blondes, and I really like Jurassic Express. So there's nothing in that that's not a good match, and it was a good match. But when you basically have said this has to be the ending for it to make sense storyline wise, it kind of takes some of the starch out of the pot. Yeah. And, but yeah, no, SCU versus the Young Bucks will still be a great match. I can't wait to see it. So. Do you, here's a good question. Do you think the Young Bucks, like, they have to beat them, right? So what's going to happen with SCU at that point? I think they're going to – I think Zarian's going to go on to be a singles wrestler and uh, CD's going to just go, like, full-time backstage and that'll be it. Yeah, sounds fair. We should probably see this coming with Scorpio Sky sort of – he didn't split, but he kind of distanced himself from that and found another tag team partner. No, no, no. I And I don't remember if I mentioned this to you or not, because it's all kind of a blur at this point, but uh, that really pisses me off. That they, they, they didn't address it, they just sort of said, yeah. Yeah, they didn't address it in any way, shape, or form. And very, very, let me, let me add, by very, very few things in AEW legitimately make me angry. Right. That legitimately makes me angry, just because of the history of those three being together as SCU for so long. And he just kind of just, like, goes – like, there's no sort of, like, discussion about it at all. Like, there's no sort of, like, I'm done with these two. They're, and, like, CD and Kazarian don't mention – like, it's literally not mentioned at all. It was like he was never, like, with them. Yeah. No, I like, I, under- I think I understand this logic is that, yes, they wanted him to go bad, but they – they just didn't want, like maybe the guys didn't want to do the portrayal angle, and so that's what they did without talking. But yeah, you're right. It is a very odd thing to have this very, very important tag team, which is was your first world champions, to just not mention them. You know, breaking up more than just yeah. saying, you know, they broke up basically. Um, yeah, no, I, I understand. I understand why that pisses you off. But at the same time, I see why they did it that way because they just didn't want to make. It about a thing where they want the Kazarian uh, and Daniels to go out and do their own thing and Scorpio do their own thing without having to, you know, go through a whole storyline about betrayal and stuff. Ugh. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I'll get you. I'll get you. So, yep, that sets up that tag title match, and then we move on to uh, Blood and Guts, which, Jesus Christ, didn't live up to the names Blood and Guts. Um, yeah, uh, I don't I don't even know where to start. Um, so, well, we obviously start with Sammy Guevara. Being a uh, god. Being a Spanish god. And I um I do enjoy the just because there is kind of a homage to have one FTR be the guys to start off for the pinnacle because of course Arn Anderson is going to start for the pinnacle or or the Horsemen so it's kind yeah. of um yeah I there's just so much like one I love the I love the fact that the cage has a roof again because not only does it give you the ending but it just it makes it so people can't interfere. Which is the whole point, but also I think now that we have tap out submission, I really liked the war game formula better, the submits or surrender, because back in the day you just had to sort of take the referee's, you know, the word that they said they quit. But now yeah. we have thing, so we can see it. It makes it much more visually appealing, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I just, a lot of blood. Like, I think Dax was the first to get busted open. Uh, then Sammy. Just, I think almost everybody by the end of it was just bleeding profusely. Um, Pretty much. What, what were your thoughts about the match in general? Because we're obviously going to talk about the ending, but I want to get through the, the really great match first and then get to the ending. It was like, eh. I mean, overall, it was great. Like... Guevara was on another level that night, which is great. You know what I thought was actually kind of funny? Not funny, but, like, it just, like, kind of popped into my head when, it's, when like, he started, like, going off. Uh-huh. It Like, the first thing that really popped into my head was, like, huh, I didn't realize how much I missed seeing Sammy Guevara in the ring until he finally came back to the ring. Oh, yeah, because it's been such a long time since he actually wrestled. Yeah, he hadn't wrestled since, like, February. Yeah, no, and that's I was a very like, good point. like, and just thinking, about it, I was like, "Huh, I didn't really realize how much I missed seeing him like in matches until I got to see him in matches again." I was like, "Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot. I fucking love this dude." <laughs> I like. I have to point out that crazy ass Spanish fly that he hit front in between the two rings, basically. Yeah. That's right. Oh. Like, oh, there was – so there was another thing, though, that I thought looked kind of funny, to be completely honest. And, like, I know what they were going for, and it, like, it worked for the most part. But, like, when <laughs> when they when – they, when everyone was finally in the ring, it was kind of – I think it was kind of like a botch because, I, uh, like, I think it was Santana. I think it was Santana. Santana was, like, on the other end of the ring. And he was like the only one there, so they had to like basically like beat him up and like push him over to the other side of the ring. Right. Yeah, because they were going to do the big standoff in the middle, but Santana yeah. was on the other side. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that too. It didn't. It was obviously it wasn't. He wasn't supposed to be there at that moment. So they they did have to kind of improvise. I don't think they did a bad job, but you know. No, no, no. I just thought it was funny. Like I just saw it and I was like, oh no, that, he's not supposed to be there. <laughs> Like, um, no, he must just to get over to the other ring to do the, you know, yeah. Also, um, 
the other thing that I was going to say is that the, the, like, at the, the, what brought me to that point was like afterwards when they were lined up, I know what they were looking to do, like a huge, like, like basically like two armies running into each other. Right. right. But because there was the ropes there and they had to kind of like jump over the ropes into each other, it looked awkward as hell. Yeah. No, it did look awkward. I think it worked out fine. But you're right. Their ropes did make it awkward. I've always wondered, I mean, I get the one and two reigns just to make it look unique and stuff. I've always wondered why they didn't ever just make a really long reign. Yeah. Um, or for that match specifically, like, like have the four two separate reigns for that match specifically take down those two sets of votes just for that match. Um, but, but, but yeah, no, it, it worked. Like there wasn't, like I said, there wasn't a lot of the match. There's some awkward spots, but really the match itself is just amazing. Uh, apparently WWE does not uh, appreciate the image that that made for pro wrestling. I'm like, well, it got them over a million viewers, so go to fuck yourself. <laughs> really cares. But yeah, no, um, that was the other thing. Because of, I think it was because of the presidential speech uh, last week, they actually dipped back below a million uh, viewers for last week's tournament. They're back over again. So I think they, like, yeah, I think NXT moving has, we can't say officially, but I feel like it's definitely up their audience to what's probably going to be over a million most of the time. So that'll be that, that's really good for them. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. I um. Yeah, go ahead. I didn't say anything. I thought you did. Nope. Um. So yeah, I think that really brings us to the end of the match, which I think was really well planned out. Like Tully attacking the referee, unlocking the cage, classic heel shit right there. Yep. So that MJF can get out, and run away, and Jericho then knocking down Tully. Um. And then we get to the, get to the top of the cage, and I'm like, this is why I like how I told you, this is why I like having a roof on the cage, because you get to fight on the top of the fucking cage. But also, it's a very cool, I know we, we'll talk about the execution, but the idea, the, the psychological idea of the pinnacle winning because MJF has put Jericho in imminent danger, so the rest of the inner circle has to say, we give up. So they can try and save Jericho. Actually, I think it was Sammy that actually said he surrendered. Yeah, Sa- yeah, Sammy specifically said it. Yeah, but like that—that's really good psych- psychological storytelling. Um, and you can't do that if you don't have a cage to work on. Right. So, but yeah. So then we gotta talk about the uh, the fall, which uh, I don't know. I I said to you that if 20 years ago I watched guys fall through ramps like that. And a lot of them injured themselves. So if I can see something that's not nearly as pretty, but I know the guy's safe, I can have gotten a point in my wrestling fandom where I'm more than okay with that. Like, yeah, that's fine. With me. Um, I think the main thing for me was the the directing was bad in that they they showed the wrong camera angles too many times. I think the only camera angle that made that work relatively well was the one that was shooting over MJF's shoulder from above. I think if you just showed it from that angle, it looks it looks fine. But when you show it from the sides, that's when you see the you know the impact pad and the cardboard 
everybody's making fun of and stuff on the internet. So I think that was, yeah. I think it was more of a directing thing than, a, uh, than the stunt not being done correctly. Because I think it came off exactly what you were supposed to do. So, yeah, what did you think? Like, um, I don't know how you felt about the ending. Were you more like, oh, man, not again? Or what was your thought? No, it was, so I actually think my, I know when we initially talked about this, my mm-hmm. biggest issue when we first talked was like, basically how, um, like how it looked afterwards and how the metal like caved, like the quote unquote metal caved in. You could clearly see like the, like mats and everything underneath it. Yeah. How it kind of like fell into it and it just kind of like, I don't know, it kind of, I don't know, it just, it was clearly safe, which is fine. I get it. Um, but like the more I thought about it, the thing that actually kind of bugged me more, the more I thought about it was how long it took after, like after, after Sammy G said, like we surrender, uh-huh. he took forever to, to knock Jericho off. Like, at least for me, it felt like a long time. It didn't bug me, but that doesn't mean it didn't take a long time. I'd have to rewatch it. But I don't remember it bugging me that it took a long time to go off. But yeah, no, I can see why that would be annoying. He did, he definitely did take a beat. Uh, but why did that, why did that bother you? Um, it took I think time. it felt, I think it would have felt more organic uh-huh. and felt more realistic. If like they said that they surrendered and like uh like MJF like raised his arms in victory and then just like not like uh, and then just kind of like kicked Jericho off. Right. Oh, I can see that. And then and then did what he did at the end, saying like yelling out "Thank you." Like that. Like if he didn't take so long in pushing Jericho off afterwards. I would have, like, it would have been perfect to me. Well, not perfect, because you still have the issue with the map. You can't do anything about that. Like, they have to be saved. Right. Like I said, your best bet with that would have been the camera angle. Yeah, exactly. yeah. No, I, I, I can see that. Yeah, that, def- that definitely does have more, um, it just feels more real when you, when I picture it, well, him doing it that way. Um, it just took forever. Yeah. For me, at least. For me, it just felt like it took a very long time. Yeah, for him to uh, it. And to the point where it really in, like, I don't know, inorganic, I guess, would be the best way to put it. Okay. Yeah, so my big thought, my big question after this, and I wonder if they're going to address it, uh, address the, like, obvious, like, um, the bag issue, because the idea obviously seems to be that Jericho probably be out for a while after a fall like that, or that would be where I would think they were going with it. So I'm yeah. wondering what actually is going to happen next for the inner circle in general. Yeah, that's a good point. My guess would be it's kind of like they're not going to split up, but they're kind of going to go their own separate ways for a while until you're ready to do a Jericho return type of thing. Like the in Santana and Ortiz will focus on the tag titles. Uh, Samuel try and get a singles title. I don't even know what Hager will do. Hager might end up like having a UFC fight coming up or something. I don't know. But uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see where they go with it next as far as like the inner circle goes. 
Yeah, I no, me it, Yeah. I think it really did establish, though, the, the inner circle, as much as I love them, aren't needed. The pinnacle is definitely there to be the top heel faction at this point. Well, yep. except for maybe the elite. But that's... It's almost like oh, two yeah. separate shows, kind of. Like, they, they're obviously on the same show, but they don't feel like they're in the same orbit, if that makes sense. So, yeah. which if the Pinnacle wants to, you know, go after gold, I guess they're going to have to be. So that's going to be interesting, too. So, I don't know. Any last thoughts on these two weeks of uh, Dynamite? Um, I mean, they were really good. I think what actually, I don't know. No, that wouldn't make sense because they lost. Never mind. I was thinking like maybe, maybe like we re we revisit like uh, the elite versus um, versus the inner circle. Only like obviously roles were reversed at that point. But yeah. like when I think about it, that doesn't really. I don't really see that happening. Yeah, that makes sense. Like I I like where your head's at, though. Yeah, because you could revisit it and yeah, definitely give the elite another faction moment. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, my guess is what I just said, that it's sort of like they're not going to split up, but they're going to kind of do their own separate things for a while. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so there we go. I think that does it for this. So uh, sometime this month, we're probably going to do another AEW episode because there's a pay-per-view coming up. So that'll be fun. Uh, but yeah, other than that, we'll be back next week with more AEW Corner. I actually don't know what we're going to do yet. If I... if between recording this and putting this up, I we figure out what we're going to do. I'll do what I did last week and put a little blurb on there to tell you what we're doing. Uh, just check out next week. Yeah, blurbs. Blurbs. Yeah, I just put a minute on there, you know, where I tell people what we're doing. I insult you like five or six times. You know, that's fine. Talk about how I carry the show and how you are a failure. All that's yeah, I mean, clearly. <laughs> the norms. <laughs> just the huge. <laughs> All right. Well, everybody have a good night. And uh, again, as always, thanks to Eric Bowman for the theme song. Um, you know what? Follow me on Twitter at LastGilchrist1. You can follow the show at Jazz Pod Show on Twitter. Um, and yeah, just enjoy the show. We had another, I don't know, like I said, I don't know if it's the app that we use or that it just saves up these plays or if we just happen to every once in a while get a huge bump. But we literally got like a, a 74 play bump just in one day. So that's another huge spike. But like I said, I have no idea if that's just like people listening all along and it just doesn't show up on the app until one time or what's going on. But hey, everybody, if you're new to the show, thanks for listening. I hope you come back next week. Yeah, absolutely. All right, have a great night, everybody. We'll see you soon. Flim, flam, shim, sham. I used that one like three weeks ago, by the way. You know what? I, I used you three weeks ago. Good <laughs> <Good night. laughs>